David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Tools on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. I am Elliot Harris, and we have a couple of great guests on today's show. We have former Dallas Cowboy running back, also a man who coached the Denver Broncos, Atlanta Falcons. He's appeared in more Super Bowls as a coach, assistant coach, and head coach than any human being on this planet. And we also have... One of the standout defensive backs of all time in the NFL, Ronnie Lott. First up, Dan Reeves. Growing up in Americas, I'm sorry, in Rome, Georgia, and Americas, did you think you'd be going to Georgia or Georgia Tech? Yeah, when I was growing up, I was a uh, Georgia Tech fan. Uh, had an older brother that uh, went to Georgia Tech and, you know, used to go to all their games and, so, yeah, I kind of wanted to go to Georgia Tech and, uh, you know, ended up uh, at South Carolina. Now, as a senior, you broke your collarbone? Yeah, quarterback in high school at America's High School. And uh, uh, fourth game of the season, broke my collarbone and missed, uh, you know, four games and uh, came back and played uh, the last two games of the season. But, you know, missed four games with a broken collarbone. When you broke the collarbone, did the schools that were interested just sort of say, well, thanks, but no thanks? Well, I don't know that, uh, you know, schools were interested. Uh, you know, certainly uh, South Carolina uh, contacted me when the season was over and, and uh, you know, visited uh, South Carolina, and they offered me a scholarship, and, you know, I signed it. It was only a school that offered me one, so it was a very, very easy decision, <laughs> you know, to make. So, uh you know, I made the decision to go to South Carolina, and then uh, when the year was over, we had a Georgia High School All-Star game, and I was fortunate enough to get the, the most valuable player in the game. And then, you know, a lot of schools, you know, contacted me uh, about changing, you know, my mind and going, uh, you know, elsewhere, but I just felt like South Carolina took a chance on me when nobody else uh, wanted me and, you know, felt an obligation to you know, go there, and uh, I never regretted it. Four years there was four great years of uh, college life that I really enjoyed. Did you have to play quarterback rather than running back? Well, you know, I was a quarterback through high school and in college, the only position that I really played. I came out as a freshman, uh, you know, as a tight end, and they switched me to, to quarterback when they realized I could throw the football halfway decent. And, uh you know, played that through high school and then uh, through college. You know, when I went in the pros, I was signed as a free agent by the Cowboys. I knew that, you know, quarterback wasn't going to be a position. They had uh, drafted Roger Staubach and Craig Morton and uh, already had Don Meredith on the, the roster. So I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to get a chance at quarterback, but I was fortunate that they tried me at, at running back and was uh, fortunate in 1965 to make the team. 
With South Carolina against Nebraska, which is a, a pretty good team, you threw for 348 yards. How'd you do well, that? Well, yeah, yeah, but that usually uh, back then uh, when you throw for that kind of yardage, that means you were behind and behind uh, quickly. Uh, we were down 21 to nothing in the middle of the first quarter, and so to try to get back in the ball game, we had to throw the ball an awful lot. And, you know, I actually was go- throwing up pass plays in the huddle because. We didn't have that many pass plays, but, you know, it just, you know, they had a really good football team and, uh, you know, got ahead of us very quickly. And I think they ended up that year in the Sugar Bowl, uh, you know, as a really good one of the top teams in the nation. And we played them at Nebraska. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I passed for a lot of yardage, but we still, you know, got beat pretty bad. I see that Tom Landry originally wanted you to play safety and then he moved you to offense. Did you enjoy playing safety at all, or you just wanted to be an offensive guy? Well, you know, I was a quarterback, but I did play safety, uh, you know, in college. Uh, and played quite a bit on defense, you know, in some games. So I had some experience playing that. And the Cowboys told me that's where they would, uh, you know, try me first. And really, when I went to training camp, we had, you know, probably 70 or 80 rookies in training camp. And we scrimmaged the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the first scrimmage, we were on offense, they were on defense, and then, you know, several days later, we just reversed that. And uh, I ended up playing running back against them because we got a lot of running backs hurt. And, uh, you know, I was the only one that, you know, really was healthy. And so from there, I still played some as a rookie in training camp and then in preseason games at safety and actually played some at wide receiver and play some at running back, but because of injuries, I ended up uh, staying at running back and making the team my rookie year. You also got to play on special teams. Was that something you were accustomed to? No, I really, uh, you know, through high school and and college, uh, I returned some punts when I was in high school, but I never uh, participated in any special teams except I was a safety on a kickoff in, in a few games. But, uh, you know, that was a way to to show that you wanted to to make the football team. And, and I enjoyed, you know, playing on special teams. And, uh, you know, no question that uh, being successful on special teams helped keep me around to where I was able to make the football team as a backup running back. Former Cowboys mentioned there was a big shift when the Cowboys changed from Don Meredith at quarterback to Roger Spaba because Don was more easygoing, laid back, but Roger was almost like all business, more in the mold of Tom Landry. Did you notice that same thing? Well, you know, actually we had Craig Morton in there, and Craig, uh, you know, Roger uh, didn't come to the Cowboys. He spent several years, uh, even though we came out the same year, he spent, uh, you know, four years in the in the service and uh, came to training camp some, but Craig Morton was the guy that, uh, you know, really was a backup to Meredith, and, uh, you know, Craig did a really good job and ended up tearing his shoulder up and, uh, you know, gave Roger a chance to show what he could do, and Roger took advantage of it. And, and then when Don Meredith retired, uh, you know, Craig and Roger competed for the uh, starting position there, and Roger ended up winning the you know, starting position as a quarterback there for the Cowboys. and you know, did a great job of uh, winning, you know, a couple of Super Bowls for us. Was there ever a point in your football career when you said, maybe I should have chosen baseball instead? 
<laughs> no, if they wanted to make a, a catcher out of me, and I knew that there was no way I was going to squat behind the plate for, you know, through uh, many games. I played, uh, you know, through high school and college, played baseball. And I love, you know, love baseball, but, you know, I just, uh, I caught a few games uh, when I was in college. I mean, when I was in high school, and, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, something that I enjoyed that much. I had some knee surgeries and, you know, thinking about squatting behind the plate for uh, as many games as they play, I knew that that wasn't going to be a position for me. Is there a game you think that basically was your best game you ever played? Uh, you know, we had in 1966, my second year, the first year that I started, we had a, an unbelievable football team, and I really uh, benefited from a, a new offense that uh, we put in, and, and it really was put in for Mel Renfro, who was – the leading punt return in the National Football League and a defensive back, and they switched him to running back. Came up with all these formations where you'd go in motion, split outside to, you know, wide receiver and be a wide receiver. And and Mel Renfro uh, was averaging a little over six yards a carry in preseason, so he was doing a great job. And then he ended up getting hurt uh, in preseason, and, uh, you know, I ended up, you know, starting and ended up scoring, uh, you know, several touchdowns in the opening game. and and had some success, and we were moving the ball offensively, and uh, we needed, uh, you know, Mel back on defense, and Coach Landry moved him back to defense, and, you know, I benefited from it. So, really, the 1966 season, you know, was, uh, you know, special. I ended up scoring 16 touchdowns in time for the league lead, and uh, that was eight running with the football and eight catching, uh, you know, passes out the backfield. So, you know, it was just a great year, and uh, it's certainly something that, you know, I didn't expect to happen, but just had a great year. So I'd say the whole year was just exceptional uh, in 1966. He also had a pretty good season in 67. He scored four touchdowns against the Atlanta Falcons in a game, uh, among other well, accomplishments. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, they, they, they weren't very long runs, but, you know, you get credit for getting it in zone and <laughs> You know, I had uh, four touchdowns. That was a big thrill because, uh, you know, being from Georgia and, and uh, really in 1966 when the Falcons came into the league, I thought it was a good chance I might be on that expansion list and in, end up playing for the Falcons. But, you know, uh, it didn't turn out that way. And uh, ended up in 1967, we played the, the Falcons in their second year in the league. And, and uh, like you said, ended up scoring four touchdowns. And that ended up, you know, being a, a record for a long time until a guy named Emmett Smith came along and, you know, <laughs> broke that record. So it was it was quite a, you know, we had a, a really good offensive football team, 66 and 67. We lost to the Green Bay Packers in the championship game and the right to go to Super Bowl one and Super Bowl two. So, you know, those two years we had, you know, a really good, uh, you know, football team. It probably would have worked one of the play in than that ice ball game. Well, it was. Uh, you know, that was uh, certainly a game that people talk about an awful lot. And it goes to show you that, you know, football's played in all kind of weather. And, you know, when we had uh, in the ice bowl, it was 17 below zero. It was quite an experience for an old southern boy from South Georgia. <laughs> I thought uh, 32 degrees was as cold as it got. It couldn't get any colder when it freezes. You know, that was about it. But, uh, you know, it was just exceptionally cold and, you know, quite an experience to try to, you know, go through that. And, you know, you got to give the 
Green Bay Packers a lot of credit. Uh, we took the lead uh, 17 to 14, and you know they uh, ended up driving 80 something yards on a field that was like an ice arena, and you know they did an exceptional job, and then ran a quarterback sneak by Bart Starter, you know, to win that game and the right to go to Super Bowl too. If I remember correctly, you uh, threw a touchdown pass in that game. Did you ever go to Coach Landry and say you should use me more as a passer? Well, uh, you know, really and truly, that we had practiced on that game and we put it in going to the left, figuring that I had thrown quite a few halfback passes and we figured they'd be, you know, alerted to, to work on it and going to the right, but they hadn't seen it and we hadn't thrown it going to, to the left. And, you know, so we worked on it and, uh, you know, in practice and all, and Don Meredith was calling plays, and uh, it was in between the third and the fourth quarter. We went to huddle out on the field, and he told me that he was going to call, you know, the halfback pass, and so I was trying to do my best to keep my hands warm where I could at least feel the, you know, the football, <laughs> because it was cold out there, and, uh, you know, I was able to keep my hands warm, and uh, and actually uh, Lance Rensel was just so wide open because they, you know, they certainly weren't expecting it. We had run that running play an awful lot in the ball game, and they were coming up fast from the secondary, and they just uh, blew assignment, and Lance was wide open. So I'm glad he ended up uh, catching it. To miss him, miss him and overfill like that. What made Tom Landry such a good coach? Well, I think there were a lot of different reasons. Uh, he had knowledge of both offense and defense. and did a, you know, a great job with that, uh, you know, running both offense and defense. But he was extremely prepared. He felt like the, the, the greatest uh, motivator of all was preparation. If you had, you know, your football team prepared, uh, they would go out and, you know, play up to their capabilities and knowing that they weren't going to be surprised by Anything. So I don't think we were ever in the 16 years that I was there that I could ever, you know, look at a game and say, boy, we sure weren't prepared. Uh, he always had us prepared. He was very organized. When we went out to practice, he had everything planned out. We knew exactly how long we were going to be there and what we were going to try to accomplish. So he was just very organized and, uh, you know, was extremely brilliant as far as offense and defense is concerned. Did he ever smile? <laughs> well, like Walt Garrison said, I was only there 16 years. And I never saw him smile, so I, I couldn't do this. <laughs> no, Coach Landry, Coach Landry smiled, but uh, you know he was he was just all about business, and uh, you know he was one of the ones that uh, no matter what he was playing, I mean, in the off season we'd go play golf. He wouldn't play until he gone had several lessons and practiced for you know a couple of weeks. Uh, he was going anything he did. He was going to have a chance to win, or he wasn't going to play. And he was extremely competitive, and you know he just concentrated, uh, you know, hard. If you got to know him, and you know, be with him like I was fortunate enough to do, and uh, you know, coaching there for for twelve years, uh, he had a great sense of humor, and uh, he did laugh. And uh, but you know, when it was uh, during the game. I don't know that you could get him to laugh during the game. Uh, we we were always, uh, you know, concentrating, trying to see how we were going to win a football game. And he didn't smile a lot during games. But uh, if you got to know him, Coach Landry had a great sense of humor. What always surprises me is Mike Ditka. He, he idolizes 
Tom Landry, basically coached on, under him, has nothing but positive things to say about him, but did the coach a totally different way than Landry. <laughs> well, you know, Mike and I both, uh, you know, realized that Coach Landry had a tremendous uh, influence on both of us. Our philosophies of what we tried to accomplish, if you look at it, you know, we tried to be, uh, you know, as prepared to have our football team as prepared as, you know, Coach Landry did, uh, you know, us. And, you know, we ran the same type of offense. There's a lot of motion, a lot of movement, a lot of uh, formations and, you know, those types of things and, uh, you know, tried to have our football team ready. So, uh, you know, he gave both of us a chance. I never thought about coaching, uh, you know, when he asked me to be a player coach, uh, uh, you know, in 1970, I, I really never thought about coaching, but, you know, it was something that got in, uh, in my blood and I, you know, couldn't get it out. And he saw something in me that I didn't see. And I'm sure he did the same thing with Mike Ditka because he, he offered Mike his first coaching job. Was your favorite uh, running mate with the Cowboys, Walt Garrison? Walt and I roomed together and, uh, you know, for like, uh, four years and, uh, then, I ended up being a player coach, and so I ended up coaching my roommate. And that only works if you got somebody that's a quality person like Walt was. Uh, you know, he he uh, made it easy for me to make that transition, and you know, being in meetings with him and running the meetings, and you know, that's my roommate, and uh, you know, he did a great job of you know making it easy for him. And that's uh, you know, that's what good friends are for, and you know, we're still friends to this day. Did you like going up against Bob Lilly in practice? Because it just seemed like he was just such a dominant force. <laughs> well, the toughest game we played offensively was usually our, our inter-squad game. And, you know, to play against our defense was no fun. Bob Lilly was the most outstanding defensive lineman I think I've ever seen. He had a combination of quickness and strength that was just, you know, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, he used it uh, to be one of the great players and one of the great guys of all time. Bob was just one of the most humble, you know, people you'll ever want to meet and uh, you know, was just a, a great model for other defensive linemen in the way he worked and the way he prepared himself and yeah, he was he was great. But that was the toughest game we had was to play our defense because they had that flex defense and had Bob Lilly and Jethro Pugh at tackles and George Andre and Willie Towns and you know, at Ian and Leroy Jordan and Dave Edwards and Chuck Howley at linebackers and Renfro and Livingston at the corners and Cornell Green at the corner one time and then a safety and Charlie Waters and Cliff Harris. So we just had some great players and that was a tough game for us uh, every time we we played. And the only thing we were playing for was if losers got hot dogs and the, and the winners <laughs> got steak. So and it was always difficult. I laid a, Believe me, offensively, we ate an awful lot of hot dogs. What was it like being a teammate of Dwayne Thomas? Well, Dwayne, uh, of course, it was an unusual situation uh, for me because I was a, a player coach. And, you know, I coached Dwayne uh, his rookie year, and it couldn't have been a, a, a more talented, uh, more easy-to-coach person than Dwayne Thomas was. He ended up being rookie of the year. But something happened uh, between uh, his rookie year and his, in his second year, you know, where he was unsatisfied. He had to play for the contract that he signed as a rookie and uh you know he wanted to renegotiate and the cowboys wouldn't renegotiate and uh you know he he was very difficult to coach he wouldn't uh it's hard to coach somebody when they won't even talk and 
you know, he went through a whole year without saying anything, and we ended up trading him and ended up getting him back. And so, uh, you know, it was very difficult. But one of the more talented football players that uh, I ever coached without question, he had an unbelievable talent. He was almost like uh, Jim Brown. Uh, reminded me a lot of uh, Jim Brown, and he had that kind of talent. It's just a shame that, you know, he, uh, you know, got off track and, uh, you know, didn't accomplish the things that he could have accomplished. But, uh, you know, he and I have uh, talked several times since then and, you know, good friends, but, uh, you know, it's just a shame that, that, uh, he got sidetracked some way and, and didn't reach the potential that he could have. It seemed like faith was a big part of Tom Landry's life, being a good Christian. It seemed like he carried over with his players, with the Roger Starbucks, you, the Bob Lillies. Again, he wanted good character guys on his team. Well, that was a big thing for Coach Landry, uh, you know, in, in trying to go through the draft and get ready for the draft. And the coaches, you know, were involved in it uh, to a degree, but the scouts were, you know, a big part of their job was to find out you know, what was on the inside of a player, what kind of heart did he have, what kind of character did he have. And, you know, those were things that were very, very important uh, for Coach Landry. And, of course, uh, you know, sometimes you you still have situations as hard as you work and try to get the top character people. Sometimes, you know, you're going to get players that uh, you have to, you know, work with. And, and you know, we end up winning a championship with Dwayne Thomas uh in probably one of the more difficult situations to coach it, that you could possibly have, but it was because of, you know, Coach Landry that, uh, you know, we were able to do that and uh, the character of our other players on our football team. But, you know, we did. That was a big emphasis for Coach Landry was uh, trying to get the right kind of people, people that, you know, had great character and, and treated people the way you'd like to be treated. I'll assume... Calvin Hill was a little easier than coaching Dwayne Thomas. Well, you know, Calvin uh, is the reason I had to uh, had to be a player coach because he beat me out, and you know, in nineteen uh, you know sixty nine, and uh, he was rookie of the year. So, uh, you know, Calvin was a great player to coach. Uh, he's still involved with the Dallas Cowboys now, and has all the things that you look for as far as talent is concerned, but also has the character and you know, things that you look for and leadership qualities that you look for in a player. And, yeah, Calvin was a joy to, to work with and, you know, to play, you know, together in the backfield, played some with Calvin and, and uh, you know, and ended up coaching him. And, you know, he was a great, great player to, to have on your football team. When you got that Denver Brocko job, you were their general, in essence, general management coach. Did you expect to get both positions? Well, you know, Coach Landry had the, uh, the say, you know, in the draft and in players. And he told me, uh, you know, when I was being interviewed by a number of football teams that, you know, you'd like to have the ability to, to have control of the, you know, the players on your roster because you got to coach them. And, uh, so I was very fortunate that, uh, you know, when I was hired by Edgar Kaiser with the Denver Broncos that he gave me, you know, the ability to have the, you know, the say in, in the draft, uh, choices. And, you know, that was where it was the whole time I was in Denver. And, and, uh, you know, that's a great thing to have because, you know, it gives you an opportunity. If somebody doesn't make your football team, uh, you know, you can't point your finger at your scouting department and say, y'all did a terrible job. Uh, you know, you're, you're responsible. And, uh, you know, I think it, 
that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, you know, if you don't have that, then you always can look at somebody and say, well, you know, if y'all had picked so-and-so, we could have been a lot better. Did you know that you'd be having John Elway as your quarterback? <laughs> no. Uh, that uh, was a long, uh, drawn-out process to get John Elway. So uh, we were very fortunate. And, uh, you know, our owner, uh, Edgar Kaiser, had had a relationship with uh, Mr. Ursay and, you know, that helped us, uh, you know, get the deal done, too. So, you know, we were very fortunate to, to get John, and no question that, you know, there's no way in the world I would have had the career I had if it hadn't been for John Elway. He was a big part of the success that we had, uh, you know, there in Denver. There was no temptation to take Dan Marino? Well, uh, well I mean, you know, Dan was certainly in consideration there, but, uh, you know, at the time we just felt like John – you know, was the best quarterback. And we had, like, the fifth choice, uh, you know, in the draft. And, you know, the in talking to uh, Baltimore, who had the first pick, you know, they just they wanted so much that, uh, you know, we didn't think we were going to be able to do it. And we needed some help in the offensive line. So, you know, with the fifth pick, we ended up taking, uh, you know, the offensive lineman from the, you know, Northwestern who ended up, you know, being uh, a part of the trade uh, when we got John Elway. When Elway comes to training camp, do you say to yourself, okay, here's my starter, or does he have to work his way through the process? Oh, he had to work his way through the process. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, uh, a situation where we had Steve DeBerg, who was a veteran quarterback. And, you know, if John was ready and he, and he played extremely well in the preseason, and so we started him the opening game of the season, and he struggled the first uh, two or three weeks and ended up, uh, you know, benching him and, and going with Steve DeBerg, and it, John ended up uh, coming back uh, about five or six weeks later, and there was so much difference because he was so much more comfortable, you know, with the offense and was ready to, you know, to take over as a quarterback and, and uh, ended up winning some games, you know, for us uh, at the end of that year. So, uh yeah, we we felt like he was the you know starting quarterback to start the season, but you know it was more of a terminology. It's almost like a language. And back then you didn't have the coach uh, communication you have now, and so it made it very difficult. John was just rushing to get plays off and not having a chance to look over and get a pre-snap read. You know, when he came back uh, later in that year, he was so much more comfortable and you know showed uh, that he was ready to to be a quarterback. It just seemed like he was the master of that two-minute drive. I mean, not only the drive against Cleveland, but he, he did it over and over again. Was it just him? He knew how to call the play. Well, he did. Run the uh, yeah. You know, I think that the, the best way to answer that is, that, you know, when you get in those situations, a quarterback has to have the ability, you know, to throw the ball when everybody in the, in the stands knows that, that that's what you have to do. And uh, so he did a great job. Uh, when everybody knew you were going to have to throw the football, that he could throw it. And, uh, you know, I think that's the reason we won so many games because uh, he had a great arm and he could put it in there. And also he could make an awful lot of plays with his scrambler ability. Is it more fun to be in the Super Bowl as a player, an assistant coach, or the head coach? Oh, it's more fun if you win. So, you know, it's very difficult. You know, I've been in nine Super Bowls and we went two and lose seven. That's not, 
you know, a lot of fun. I never won one as a head coach, so, you know, certainly there's more responsibility, you know, as a coach because you're trying to get, a, you know, everybody, you know, ready. Uh, it's fun uh, when you're a player uh, and exciting because you basically just kind of worry about getting yourself ready and, and so forth. Uh, you know, I was still, even in the Super Bowls uh, that I was with with Dallas, I was a player coach in the first two. And, you know, so I was still had some responsibility in making sure I got our players that I was coaching the running backs, uh, you know, ready for, ready to play. I'm looking at the Cowboys Ring of Honor members, and you're not in the Ring of Honor. Is there a reason well, why you're I not in there? Yeah. Well, yeah, I wasn't good enough. You know, I was fortunate <laughs> enough to be on a, you know, a team with a lot of great players, and I was just one of the, the ones that benefited, uh, you know, from being on there with great players. Now, there's a lot of great players that I was on the team with that are not in the ring of fame that I think should be there. But, you know, I, I you know, I don't feel like I belong in the ring of fame in, in Dallas. I was not that, that great of a player. Uh, you know, I was just part of a, an outstanding football team. Is there any temptation that you to coach the Cowboys someday and win a Super Bowl with your team? Oh man, I, you know, when you, when you got a, the age that I am, when you're 70 years old, there's nobody looking for a 70-year-old head coach. You know, they're looking for somebody that's young. I would have loved to have coached the Cowboys. That was, uh, you know, something that when I was assistant coach there, you know, that I think you'd ask Mike and I both, we would we would love to, to think that, you know, when Coach Landry ret- retired, whenever that was, that we might be, you know, the next head coach of the, of the Cowboys. But, you know, it didn't happen, and I was very fortunate that, I was with the Denver Broncos for, you know, for 12 years, and that was 12 great years of my life. But uh, did they get an opportunity or a chance to coach Cowboys? Yeah. At Denver, did you see the end coming for you? Or are you sort of blindsided? Oh, you know, I, I had no idea. Uh, I was blindsided. But, you know, it was, a, it was a great blindside. You don't have many blindsides that you enjoy, but that was a good one. <laughs> Did you ever imagine that your former quarterback would become such a good GM with Denver and John Elroy? Well, I knew this. Uh, you know, John went about it the right way. I mean, you know, he had he had, uh, had some experience of doing that. You know, in the in the Arena Football League uh, when he was part of that, owning a, a team there and running it and had success. And you know, he comes from a football family. His dad was a great head coach, and you know, he's he's been around football his whole life, so he knows. You know, and he was around a lot of success, having uh, been to, you know, five Super Bowls where he won two of them. So, you know, he's been a part of uh, a lot of successful, orga- you know, the way an organization was run successfully. And, you know, so it doesn't surprise me. I'm just happy for him. Uh, you know, he's done a tremendous job. And certainly, you know, taking a chance uh, when a lot of teams, uh, you know, wouldn't because of his arm, uh, Signing Peyton Manning was a big gamble and it's paid huge dividends. Did you enjoy your time as the coach of the New York Giants? Well, I enjoyed it. It really was. Uh, you know, the Mara family and the Tish family were great people to work for. And, you know, we had uh, success there the, the first year I was there. And, unfortunately, that was the last year of the, uh, you know, uncapped year. And uh, ended up losing, you know, three of my co-captains, uh, William Roberts, Bill Sims and and Lawrence Taylor uh, because of the salary cap. Uh, so, 
you know, that was a tough thing because the, the Giants had the highest salary of all and had to, you know, we had to lose an awful lot of players to get down under the salary cap, uh, you know, my second year. And, and that was a very difficult transition. And But I enjoyed the four years that I coached there in uh, New York was uh, four special years, and I really enjoyed it. You're mentioned as a you're mentioned as a candidate for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. How would you feel if you found out you got in? Oh gosh, uh, that would that would be uh, one of the greatest uh, honors you could possibly have. Uh, something that uh, you know a lot of people dream about. And like I talked about the Dallas thing, there's an awful lot of people that I know, in my opinion, that uh, you know deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, and they're not there. So. You know, it's something that you don't have any control over. Uh, you know, uh, I was 39 years, uh, you know, involved in, in football and, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything. It was just, uh, you know, a great time in my life. After the Giants let you go, the Falcons come calling. Was that an easy or difficult decision for you? No, it was an easy decision because I didn't uh, let go, and I was fortunate that, uh, you know, the year I was let go and uh, fired there in New York that the Falcons contacted me and, and were interested in me as a head coach. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, coming back home for me, uh, being, you know, born and raised in Georgia and, and knowing the Smith family, uh, you know, throughout the years I've been in pro football, I had a great respect for you know, Rankin Smith and Taylor Smith and, you know, the entire family. And, you know, for them to give me that opportunity, uh, you know, was just, uh, you know, great. And it came at the, you know, at the time that I was, you know, certainly wanted to continue to coach. And, uh, you know, after being let go in uh, New York, it was it was a great opportunity for them. Plus, you're a little closer to Augusta Golf Course if you want to golf there. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – <laughs> It's great, uh, you know, to be here. This is a this is a great state, uh, you know, for playing golf. And uh, you know, I love to play golf. But believe me now, my when you got two artificial knees and an artificial hip, you don't play a lot of golf anymore. You just uh, if you play a couple of times a a week, you're very fortunate. Now, in 90, 1998 with Atlanta, you guys go fourteen and two, and you have a quadruple bypass. Did that come well, out of the blue? Good. Well, it did. Uh, I really had uh, had a uh, procedure done called an atherectomy procedure, which they go in and clean out uh, some blockage in your your artery. And I had that done when I was in Denver. And and when I had it done, the doctor told me that uh, when I was exercising, I would get a burning sensation in my throat, almost like you you know couldn't get your second wind. And my doctor told me at that time, he said, that will always be your sign that something is wrong, uh, you know, with your heart. And uh, so in 1998, uh, when we would be standing there for the, you know, the Star Spangled Banner and they would be playing it and your heart starts racing, all of a sudden I'd get that burning sensation in my throat. And I thought it was kind of strange and we were getting ready to play uh, New Orleans. Uh, in a big game right at the end of the season. And, and we were in first place in the division. And so it was a big game. And when the Star Spangled Banner started playing and my heart started racing, I felt that burning sensation in my throat. And so, I, you know, I was trying to say there's nothing to it. But when the game was over, I mentioned it to my doctor. And I said, can we get that checked out? You know, when the season's over, we had like four more games left in the season. 
And he said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He said, we're going to check it out when we get back tonight. And, uh, you know, went back to Atlanta and, you know, the next morning they, you know, went in and uh, checked my heart and I had blockage in three of the four arteries. And he said, we got to, you know, do bypass surgery. So it was just, uh, you know, one of those things that uh, was a miracle that I even mentioned it uh, because I was a heart attack waiting to happen. And, you know, because, uh, you know, went in there, I, I didn't have any damage to my heart and they were able to, uh, you know, do the surgery and, I think four weeks later, I was back on the sideline. So I was just very lucky. Was it more special when you coached against Tom Landry than other coaches? Well, you know, I was the only coach that I I really coached with was Coach Landry. And I think if you had, you would love to have experience with, you know, different coaches. But I think if you are going to experience one coach, I don't think I could have been with, with a coach that could have prepared me any better you know, than Coach Landry did, uh, you know, as a person and as a coach. Uh, you know, he was just a, a great influence on me, you know, both, both uh, you know, as a person as well as a coach. Now, you've been married not quite 50 years, but you've been married more than 40. What's I've been married to I've been married 50, 50, okay. 50 years on June 27th. So. Okay, well, congratulations. What, what's the Thank secret to that? You got to have a great wife. It's very understanding. It's, uh, you know, it's like my daddy told me when I got married. He said, son, he said, you know, everybody says it's a 50-50 proposition. He said, that's a lie. He said, it's a hundred and a hundred. And if you aren't willing to give a hundred and she isn't willing to give a hundred, he said, you got no chance. So, you know, I'm very fortunate. Pam and I actually dated, uh, you know, for seven, eight years prior to, you know, we went to high school together and started dating when I was a sophomore and she was a freshman. So we dated through high school and college and then got married before my senior year at uh, South Carolina. And so we're, you know, very fortunate. We got uh, three children now and seven grandchildren. And, you know, it's just the Lord has truly blessed us. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan Reeves. After this brief break, we will be back with Ronnie Lott. <laughs> 